Okay, hello Malaysia and hello world. So welcome to Impact Valley. So I'm Amber and we got a host show for you. So today's topic is the art of debating. So welcome our guest of today, Miss uh, uh, Kiana. <laughs> yeah. Hi, hello Amber. Uh, no worries about the name. Like I, I, everybody gets it wrong. Um, so are, are you totally from? In, are you from Malaysia? But Kiana? I am. I was born here. Um, yeah. uh-huh. My father is a. My father's Malaysian by citizenship but oh. not exactly no, Malaysian by, mm-hmm. like, ethnicity. Uh, my mom's foreign, and uh, I, I did spend most of my childhood here. Mm-hmm. I went to school here for the most part. Um, but then, of course, um, once I turned 18, I was kind of everywhere but KL. Um, but it's always been my base, so I, I've, I've never really lived a, you know, traditional lifestyle. Um quite nomadic you could say (laughs) but um, obviously with the pandemic that's changed Mm -hmm. so funnily enough I think um, since what March last year this is actually the longest I've ever spent in KL in prop since my childhood really so yeah (laughs) but it's Kiana and lovely Um, to meet you yeah nice to meet you and so usually where you travel you know you... Oh God! Uh, yeah, everywhere really. I, I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> I've I've been to most of Asia. Mm-hmm. I've been to most of Europe. I feel like that's fairly common. Um, I I hate to be that person, but I've been to about sixty countries, mm. um, and some I've spent you know shorter time, like shorter spans in. So maybe a couple of weeks. Some mm-hmm. I've spent uh, longer. Um, and I would travel mostly, I think, because I, I really just enjoy it. I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do a job that has helped me also travel the world a little bit. So I've mm-hmm. debated and I've taught and I've coached in Korea, in China, in Thailand, uh, in Singapore and the Philippines. I've mm-hmm. just to name a few, um, you know, debating has, is a, it's a fairly international experience if mm-hmm. you do it at a very competitive level, which I've been fortunate enough to do. But um, with Asia youth speakers and working with the students I have for mm-hmm. most of the last decade, uh, it's been usually based in KL. So I've always mm-hmm. been back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you can share with us about, you know, Asia, um, uh, Asia youth speakers. Yeah, yes. we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, no little, worries. Little, no, um, Asia yeah. youth speakers is very new. It's a new mm-hmm. organization that I only formalized, I think, a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Even though unofficially, we've existed for a long time, and I say we because even though I'm the founder and I'm the main person in charge, you know, doing everything, mm-hmm. it's very much a collective of young debaters and young speakers. So I train um, students, mostly mm-hmm. high schoolers. I also work with some upper primary kids, depending on how advanced their linguistic skills are, mm-hmm. or I guess how mature they are. I work with them in terms of improving their public speaking abilities, but mm-hmm. most importantly, training them to compete uh, in competitive debating. And the mm-hmm. competitions that we do, 
some are local little competitions, but we usually go for big, big for international abroad. Oh, yeah, like abroad. big international. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the biggest, for lack of a better term, flexes that we've had. Um, we were definitely one of the first. I think, sorry, not one of the first. We were the first um, Malaysian teams to mm-hmm. ever represent the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the region, I would go as far as to say, um, at the Cambridge schools debates wow. and the Oxford mm-hmm. schools debates and even the Harvard schools debates. So we don't just cool. sit mm-hmm. around in the classroom talking about uniforms, uh, the competitive debate that we yeah. do. It's not boring because I think <laughs> these are all relevant topics. I don't yes. believe in, mm-hmm. you know, judging any kinds of mm-hmm. topics, but at the same time, um, you know, I've got kids who want to come in just to, you know, improve their speaking skills. Mm. Some want to be a little bit less shy. And then mm. there are the ones who say, I want to get into an Ivy League school. So therefore, mm. I need to get really, really good. And mm. I want to get into these experiences and have these opportunities. So can you help me along the way? So Asia Youth Speakers is a collective of students who want to learn competitive speaking really Mm -hmm. so even if you don't want to compete that's totally fine so you still get the same training experience Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily have the pressure to have to do it at such a high level so most of my students I would actually say don't like the competitive aspect they find it quite stressful Mm -hmm. and I completely respect that I think for me competitive debating and why I founded Asia Youth Speakers is because i personally believe that the skills that you learn through competitive debating are the backbone of what you will need for the rest of your life you will need it for every college interview you're going to need it for every yeah, job interview. absolutely you're going to need it to survive in any working environment because we don't just teach you to communicate and speak we teach you to think and mm-hmm. we teach you to be critical of everything that you do and everything that you hear so i think that's one of the reasons why i have a very loyal um, Mm. group of students who Mm. even through exams or even through the pandemic you know like they would beg their parents to (laughs) keep them in the class and they're like no we are never giving up debates Um, because it's also fun so I do think you know like Mm -hmm. you know I think we all know basic debates in schools I think maybe some people have whole you know you know we shouldn't wear uniforms or we should you know not let kids (laughs) I don't know, bring cell phones to school. Depending I love on the general rule. Yeah. Right? It's very like rule-based. So Mm-mm-mm. we don't really do those things. Like I, I work on those motions with my junior. So like my, my babies, as I call them, like the 10-year-olds, we would kind of do stuff like that. But once you're about 13, so you're in high school, we start getting a little bit more serious. So mm-hmm. the topics or the motions that we really discuss Uh, are a lot heavier so we've got social Mm. justice we've got Mm. racism we've got sexism we've got foreign policy we try to do things that are obviously competitively relevant but Mm. also socially relevant so these are things that you know kids who are reading the news or turning on the tv or you know going on youtube or even scrolling on instagram you know, this generation is probably the most socially aware that we've ever had just because of how accessible technology is. Mm -hmm. So I ensure that the the stuff that we talk about has to be important to them, relevant to them, and things that they can also include in the things that they do in school academically. 
So it's important for me to also make sure that, you know, this hobby or this side skill or this extracurricular that they're doing is still very relevant and has a good tie to them doing well in school. So a lot of my, a lot of the feedback that I get from parents and I think why they're so happy is because obviously Mm -hmm. you see a huge level of improvement in your English abilities. Um, You speak better, you write better. And the biggest, I think the the biggest growth that I always see with a lot of my kids is they perform very, very well in the writing aspects. Mm -hmm. So for those of them who end up doing like arts courses or they start doing things like history or econ or um, uh, English literature in um, at A-levels or in college or in uni, uh, you know, all these skills definitely translate. So Asia youth speakers, I would probably say is, it, 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 it helps you build that foundation, not just mm-hmm. to speak, but also to think. To and I think, think. that's something mm-hmm. not many people realize. Like debaters get a really bad reputation for just being really loud and just, you know, talking all the time, <laughs> which does exist. I totally understand. And I apologize on behalf of many, many debaters <laughs> out there. Um, but it's more than that. And, I've, and I always tell my students this. I say the most important thing about debating, and I think the most important skill that you need to have is not your ability to speak, but it's your ability to listen and then think about it. Because mm. I think we could do a lot more good in this world if people listened a little bit more and understood yeah, a bit more mm-hmm. and thought a little bit more about whatever's happening around them. So yeah, I work with kids uh, four times a week officially. And then, of course, we've got events and, you know, competitions and stuff that we do on the side as well. So, yeah, but how many kids? So, how many kids? How many kids? It depends on the season. So, mm-hmm. it, it kind of changes depending on, you know, holidays or exams. Uh, but on average, there are about 30 to 50 kids. Mm. So, we don't work simultaneously. So, the class is kind of broken up. So, no class is too big. Um, it really just depends on their preferred preferred slot so yeah i've got about 30 so you, to 50 you, children unofficially. you're in charge of all the children i am in charge Whoa. of all of them yeah <laughs> you are so. superwoman i think <laughs> i i i've been told that yeah um and what's <laughs> even crazier is sometimes uh-huh. when we go for well this was pre-pandemic of course um we would travel for competitions so mm. it used to be really funny sometimes you would just go to klia and you'll see me with like this large crowd of teenagers behind me and people would just stare. They'll be like, what is going on? (laughs) But it's really good because we have a very good community. So Mm -hmm. all of the parents are well aware of what's going on, what they're learning. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's always in touch with each other. Um, I invite parents to come and join us on trips and, you know, join in for events. So it's, it's very much a safe, and a uh, fun environment for everybody involved. And I've been doing this long enough. So mm. I, you know, it, it's usually kind of, well, again, before Asia Youth Speakers was formalized, it was very much word of mouth. So I would just get parents mm. sharing my contact with other parents or kids sharing my contact with like their other friends to be like, hey, you should come join this class. This is what I do with all my free time. Like, come join in. So yeah. <laughs> So I'm curious now, what inspired you, you know, to getting involved and getting involved in debating and public speaking? So 
public speaking always came quite naturally to me because I think mm-hmm. I was just a very expressive child. Um, before I, I you have what give, debating right? was, you have give. I would hope so. Uh, I would hope so, or I'd be really bad at my job, and uh, that'll be really ironic. Um, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I always liked public speaking. I liked, you know, storytelling and all the kind of like, you know, those kitty little activities you would do in school. Then, obviously, once I got to high school, um, debating slowly started getting introduced in Malaysia. So I just joined, honestly, for the fun of it because it also meant I got to skip. Lots of classes. If I was representing the school doing <laughs> events, so I'll be very honest. It wasn't entirely altruistic. Um, it meant being able to not be in class as much, um, but yeah. it worked out great. It worked out in my favor. Um, I did fairly well. Uh, my team did fairly well. We all kind of had a lot of fun. And I think only as I got older, I the the, the scene started opening up in Asia. So I started to see more opportunities, and I think people started realizing the importance of the skill. Yeah. So that's what kind of you know, I think inspired me to pursue it properly because mm. I did not have the same opportunities at that point because I was finishing high school at around the time the scene started to open up. So my mm. high school opportunities were already limited, but I thought to myself and I said, you know what, this is actually Really good work, and it's something that you love. It's something that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fresh. It's fun. It's current. You get to meet lots of people. You get to travel. So I just thought of it as like, you know what? Let's just take things slow and figure out whatever happens next. Let's just take it one step at a time. And um, I think I decided to pursue it properly because mm-hmm. I just found it fulfilling. If I'm being mm-hmm. very honest, I loved the conversations that would take place I loved hearing these very very smart kids speak um, I loved hearing very very smart peers speak uh, and I liked that I was seeing a lot more thought-provoking discussions and mm-hmm. a lot of challenges to what I always felt were problematic norms so I liked seeing more girls being, you know, outspoken and really mm. challenging the barriers that were kind of given to them. I liked seeing people in, you know, various communities and various parts of the world where you would assume would think and behave a certain way. Uh, again, breaking that stereotype and expressing themselves in a very, very different way. Mm. So I found it very just intriguing, and I think being a competitive judge at that point. So obviously I couldn't speak anymore because I'd finished um, school. Um, I found the opportunity where, you know, judging options were opening up, coaching options were opening up. And obviously I had a skill that people thought was relevant and uh, good. So yeah, um, I decided to just keep going on that path. And I guess it just kind of snowballed into what things are today. So Really, my inspiration was just truly loving what competitive debating can do for people. And I wouldn't just say young people, because I would say for everybody. For everyone, yeah. Debating is a, is a skill set mm-hmm. that is really, really large. Um, so yeah, it's, it's important for everybody to have. And I think you can, it's, there's no such thing as being too young, if I'm being very honest. And I don't think there's such oh, thing as being also, yeah no. yeah you, it's 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 in fact i'm getting lots of questions and like <laughs> i am getting a demand from older people um oh. even friends my age who are like in their mid to late 20s um 
people are saying like do you mind doing like an adult class because we want to <laughs> learn what you're learning and I'm just sitting here being like that's not a terrible idea maybe I should yeah maybe you I should I will join I will join <laughs> fantastic I will you will be my student <laughs> very very shortly yeah so um, why you love debating so much you know what elements you know make you which part of debating you know make you yeah, fall um, in love to it yeah so so two parts so obviously the speaking element was mm-hmm. huge for me mm-hmm. um I, i was a part of the malaysian education system which is sometimes a bit surprising for many of the people um who know me because i don't respond very well to um rigidity for lack of a better word so i i think again one of the reasons why i you know was very very drawn to public speaking and debates in school was because the academic system at the time and actually the it's the same system now nothing much has changed in 10 years mm-hmm. um it's it's very much exam driven it's very yes. much you know memorization it mm-hmm. is very much these are the facts we want you to know and we need you to regurgitate it and mm-hmm. we don't want much creative expression and i always found that quite challenging because mm-hmm. i am someone who believes that that's not how the world works like the world isn't all facts and figures the world is also about um thinking and expressing yeah. mm-hmm. and um challenging a lot of what we are taught to believe so for me i think that's what drew me most to debates because these were topics and themes that were sometimes taboo sometimes deemed you know the favorite word in malaysia that we have mm-hmm. is sensitive yeah um but i don't really believe that that should be the norm i think all conversations need to be talked about and they need to be discussed and i think debating is a really good formalized way to broach these subjects without you know things getting too heated because at least there's like a structure to how you're supposed to debate there's some rules so you get to do it in a controlled environment rather than i guess popping off on i don't know facebook comments or popping off on you know the comment section on any weird forum that you join so i think it's a lot more productive to do it in a again a controlled the, environment yeah. yeah and i think it's good to do it with schools and that's why i i'm so passionate mm-hmm. about working with young kids because i see the growth that they go through as young people and i know i would have loved to have had these similar opportunities at that age and i know so many of my friends and my peers who would have loved to have similar opportunities as well so mm-hmm. i think that's what really motivates me with asia youth speakers it's knowing that this isn't just a skill that's going to look good on your college application yeah. it mm-hmm. is a skill that's going to stay with you for life for life going to take you mm-hmm. very far yeah mm-hmm. so i guess that's my inspiration behind it i really It, it, it's funny right because you see lots of people working for companies or you know endorsing products and things like that um for me i literally founded a youth organization because i believe so much in what we do mm-hmm. and i think it needs to be the norm and it it is in many parts of the world like the many many education systems globally that incorporate debating like officially into some of the syllabus and mm-hmm. they make it a part of some of the courses like for example one of the universities in malaysia a fairly good one um actually has competitive debate as a credit course wow, that 
is mm. yeah that's fully recognized by the university and i think that should be the way forward because we can't just have kids and young people um be able to regurgitate math formulas but have zero ability to communicate and understand real life everyday you know mm. aspects that affect every single person and i think competitive debating covers so many unique topics and so many important conversations as well and again that really is what just inspires me and motivates me and made asia youth speakers exist and become this formal entity <laughs> i think you know i think a lot of young students will benefit you know from you i, I hope really. so i think they have your contribution or will mm. i hope so i think so I, i i would like to believe that um but also i think it's a good environment because they get to also meet meet like minded people they get to have yeah. their own disagreement yeah, network and you know yes yeah absolutely and i think they're all finding themselves i mean look i'm still finding myself and i think most people will continue to find themselves mm. um regardless of how old or how young they are and i would strongly argue pun intended that you know competitive debating and all the things that we do in it and in our classes and in our sessions and in our competitions um i think they speed up that process quite a bit it helps mm-hmm. you really get out of your comfort zone and i think that's really important so i i do think mm-hmm. it's something i would recommend for so many kids yeah so Mm. How you started, you know, I'm curious how you started, you know, to form this committee, you know. What are the process and the journey? Uh, how you do it? Yeah. So a small community had already existed. Oh. I think like, you know, because competitions yeah. were the competitions were kind of informal. So, you know, mm-hmm. debaters and public speakers and some NUN people, MUN people would, you know, we all kind of knew about each other. We all kind of competed amongst each other. So, a small community already existed. And I think people just wanted to do more of these events. So, mm-hmm. along the way, I think It's it's several factors. I think I got quite lucky in that I happened to be in the right place at the right time in many of these instances so people would just see me and they would know about me and they would you know like call me or invite me to be you know mm-hmm. a guest judge or a guest coach. So that kind of happened and then I just took matters into my own hands and decided mm-hmm. to formalize it myself. So it wasn't really a you know it wasn't a complicated process um Again, I was approached by a by a school, mm-hmm. so that's what kind of set things into motion. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, it I realized, you know, I think it's time for me to just fully go independent because I wasn't really getting much support from the school, and um, many schools are limited by what they can do for you anyway because they've got you know. board directors to answer to and i just realized that that was kind of affecting the quality of the work that i could give mm-hmm. to my kids um obviously because debates do cover a wide variety of topics it can get again quite quote unquote sensitive for many of the people involved so it was a challenge sometimes mm-hmm. so having you know being independent officially since the pandemic was was good. So for me all I did was 
I just reached out to my, you know, former students, current students, the parent network that we had. And I just told them, hey, guys, it's still me. <laughs> Nothing's really changing. Um, I'm still working with your kids. I'm not leaving them. Do not panic. Um, but we're just going to be under a different name now. And we're going to formalize mm. with this different name this is the proposed name and this is what we're going to be about we're going to be seeing more events and more um guest speaker spots and we're going to be doing you know we, we're able to change up a lot of the activities as well just because there are fewer people to have to keep happy along the way so give me your feedback and this is what we're doing and everybody pretty much stayed on uh, and we decided to do a nice website and we decided to get on Instagram mm -hmm. and that's I think what so that we yeah we have a small but very organic Instagram presence um, we do post stories we do post updates on what we do and we've got many many things lined up for the year but of course it's hard to do things because of yeah. the pandemic that's true but yeah we keep very very busy mm -hmm. so the club is very very active like we call ourselves a little club because it's like <laughs> you know it feels like a little bit of a school club in a in a fun way though mm -hmm. so yeah um it, it, it's interesting so like you know um we recently we do camps we do retreats so it's like a full-on weekend debate camp and we have activities and we have guest speakers and we do little quizzes and we do team wow. bonding activity mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's still very much education driven, but at the same time, it's also meant to be a safe space for the kids to meet like-minded people, um, challenge their own ideas and their beliefs, mm -hmm. and at the same time, learn a ton and grow a ton. Mm. So do you face any challenge? You know? Oh God, when? Where do I start? <laughs> uh, the, well, the biggest where challenge. Do I not? Yeah. Where do I not face challenges? Wow. Um... So I think a huge problem within the mm -hmm. debate community mm -hmm. is that it's still very male dominated. So oh, why is it so? I, I do not know. I think there are a number of factors which mm -hmm. I don't know if we have the time to fully get into. But I think specifically in Asia, Southeast Asia, Malaysia to be specific, um, even in my time when I was debating as a participant, uh, it was very very male dominated. You didn't really see. Mm -hmm. Female. girls doing it I think, I think number one it could just be not much right yeah um I think maybe girls are still not taught to be as expressive as they can be that's mm -hmm. one factor I think that's there I think it's a subconscious cultural oppression I don't want to use the mm -hmm. word oppression because I feel like it's pretty it's a strong word but you know I think men are given far more room to speak so therefore, even when women are given room to speak, women don't realize that it is their place and that they belong. Mm -hmm. uh, so even when it came to judging and coaching, usually, and this is quite a sad average, male debaters and male speakers vastly outnumber the females and the women in the field. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, um, for a very long time, I, you could actually count on one hand how many women or female coaches existed uh, in the scene. But 
men or males were far more common. And again, this isn't a comparison between who's better and who's not. Everybody's skilled in their own way. But there is a gender imbalance for sure. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I noticed. And that's why I thought it was very important for me to create this space. And Mm -hmm. what I am very, very proud of and what I've always been very proud of is my students, even before we were known as Asia Youth Speakers, we were definitely one of the few clubs that was pretty much 50-50 boys and girls. Mm, and that's great. Today, if I'm not mistaken, I think right now in Asia Youth Speakers, we have more female speakers more female. than we have male mm. speakers. Yeah. So, and that's really rare considering I'm not, you know, in a girls' school, I'm not in a boys' school. I'm a mm. completely co-ed club. So we really don't care what your gender identity is, just mm. come and speak. So it's something that I'm quite proud of. That's the first challenge. But I think the bigger challenge that I've always had to deal with is um, getting people to recognize why competitive debate isn't just a after-school activity. It's not just a extracurricular that you do for two and three months and then you, you know, go for a couple of competitions, get a nice certificate or two, and then leave. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously fine. There are many students who want to do that because they want to try different activities. But it's also getting, I think, parents and young people to understand what debating can do for you. Because I think people hear the term debate and they just go, oh, we're sitting in a room or we're sitting in a class and we're just going to talk about, I don't know, why smoking cigarettes should be banned. And eh, it's the same old stuff over and over again. And it's not. And I think if you speak to many of the students in class, you know, it's never the same thing. Every class is so different Mm -hmm. and every conversation is so different because we're keeping up with the times. So I think the second challenge is getting people to really fully recognize that competitive debating is so much more than just Mm -hmm. a debate exercise in class. And of course, I think the biggest challenge potentially is... um, having to realize that you can't keep everyone happy because I do get the occasional text message or email or call of a student or a, or an adult not being happy with some of the content that we cover because obviously people have different opinions and people mm. have different values. Value, yeah. And um, it is not my place to enforce these values. It is my place and my job to have people think for themselves. And unfortunately, not many people agree with that. So many Mm. people do believe I should be enforcing or avoiding certain subjects, but that's never been the way I rule. Mm. And I don't think that's the future of society anyway. Um, I think the days of censorship are over. And uh, in AYS, we've, yes, censorship's, uh, censorship is probably the ultimate curse word for us. Like we don't believe (laughs) that. Yeah, you. if you have something to say, say it. Say it and yeah. uh, we will argue it and we will discuss mm-hmm. it as much as we can. And we share but, idea, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will share and we mm-hmm. won't silence you. But if you're going to say problematic things, be ready to be challenged because <laughs> we've got a group of very, very vocal people wow. uh, in the club. But, it, you know, but it's good mm-hmm. because yeah. these kids are now doing it honestly rather than creating fake troll accounts and going Mm -hmm. on Instagram and leaving weird comments on pages. So, you know, we, again, it's a, it's just a safer, more, I guess, formalized environment for people Mm -hmm. to have these conversations. 
So it's, it, there are a lot of challenges. I have way more, but we don't have the time for it. <laughs> <laughs> so as a beginner, you know, for mm-hmm. someone who, who are not fluent, maybe not fluent in English. So yeah, not a problem. Yeah. So how to improve, you know, how to improve uh, your debating practice. and practice speaking skills. Practice, practice. So um, again, like the, the way I, I shape my class mm-hmm. is the focus is very much on come for as many practices as you can. So that's why I charge a flat rate. So it's like 200 ringgit a month for mm. all the classes available. So if you want to come once in that whole month or you want to come 12 times in that month, that's up to you. So some of my very, very, I guess, passionate students, um, we have classes up to four times a week. Some attend all of them, like every single one. Like they will not miss it. And even if they have an exam or an additional class, they will beg for me to let them in like halfway through the class. So it really just depends on what you want out of the experience. I'm very, very flexible in that sense. So how do you improve? Honestly, I just am very honest with my kids. I say, you just need to pay attention in class Mm. and practice. So many kids come in and they're very, very shy and they say, I just want to observe. And I'm, I mean, I'm usually very fine with that the first few sessions because I want to give them a feel. I don't want to scare them off just yet because it can be quite intense. Like if you're not used to competitive debating, it can sound like a foreign language completely when you first listen in to a full debate. And it's mm-hmm. very intimidating and I'm not going to downplay that. But once you focus and you have an idea of what's going on it's it's fun and it's thrilling Mm. and you will just naturally be inclined to you know know how to respond and start to get into the flow yeah Yeah. you will it's it's, there's no real exact formula to it it's something Mm -hmm. that I just tell kids like look all of you have a different learning curve don't compare yourself to other people Mm -hmm. even if you don't think you like even, even if you're not a native English speaker in fact most of my students are not Mm-hmm. native English speakers and that was actually mm-hmm. another huge challenge I had to deal with um, because I'm having to you know explain the meaning of words to some kids um, pronunciation is also a mm-hmm. problem um, sentence construction vocabulary these are all issues that everybody deals with so I always tell my kids like don't be afraid to sound stupid mm-hmm. uh, because everybody sounds stupid like this isn't uniquely <laughs> you right like everybody has weird moments so just throw yourself into it like pay attention to other speakers don't just focus on your own speech uh listen to the feedback listen to the other speakers um record yourselves when you are delivering a speech and then go back and cringe over how terrible you think you sounded because then the next time you speak you're going to be that much more motivated to Mm. not repeat those same mistakes so there are little things that you know you can do but most importantly it's just to attend practice. class mm-hmm. and practice that's mm-hmm. really the best thing that you can do any special technique <laughs> no there are uh there are <laughs> things that you can and you can do which obviously i will that's like you know that's like a student secret i only mm-hmm. like you know tell my kids um but I think there, honestly, I don't think there is a, again, there's no exact formula. There's no yeah. shortcut to success. You just need to have a good attitude. So mm. a, a big secret also is to not come into class or come into our sessions thinking that you are, you know, 
the worst person in the world and you're going to be a failure because obviously if you if you come in very very negative then it's going to be hard for you to absorb anything mm-hmm. positive from the class and at the same time just because you've been told that you're a good speaker or you believe that you are naturally just more inclined to debating that also doesn't mean you're going to do very well overnight mm-hmm. so it's important to have a good attitude in class and i've obviously over the years worked with hundreds of students i've i've reached the point where i've now lost track mm-hmm. i would easily say i've worked with about 500 kids in my experience wow. and that's a lot of kids over the years by yourself <laughs> i think by myself <laughs> yes not at the same time so obviously mm-hmm. it's not like a class of 100 people simultaneously mm-hmm. yeah. but i've been doing this since 2013 2014 now mm-hmm. um so that's a while so i think 500s a very modest estimate if i'm being honest mm-hmm. um so again there is no secret but I will say this, um, sometimes very overly confident students come in, get that confidence rattled a little bit because it's sometimes a bit of a reality check that maybe you're not the smartest person in the class and maybe you should pay attention a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that makes them better people and that makes them even better. And then I've also got, you know, the really, really shy kids who sometimes have complete mental breakdowns and like just start bawling before their speech. and have complete panic attacks and i'm like mm-hmm. it's totally fine mm-hmm. and sometimes they're like this for a couple of months and they just want to leave and they hate it and then all of a sudden one class comes in and they just change completely and next thing you know they are it's a complete 180 and they're begging me to send them to a competition and they're mm-hmm. telling me things like i want to go for this camp or i want to partner up with this person and i want to do this topic i want to be in this position which is something that would have given them another complete mental breakdown just like a month before so you know everybody's growth is different i mm-hmm. don't like to compare my students i don't believe in that because every student is different everyone has a unique set of skills mm-hmm. so the expectations are never the same so i always ask students before they begin like okay what do you want out of this are you just here to experiment are you here because you saw this person go to harvard and you want to do the same or do you just want to learn a bit more about the world and mm. um you know understand a bit more about how to be a better human being and then i just work around those things mm. why is your intentions you ask them first right yeah mm. i i i ask i ask them and i ask the parents because obviously sometimes mm. parents and kids aren't always aligned <laughs> yeah right parents um, and, intention and, and the absolutely. children intention is you know all the time and yeah. it's, and it's so common because sometimes parents would tell me like oh my kid is really keen to sign up he wouldn't stop mm-hmm. talking about trying this class and then i'll just ask the kid it's like did your mom force you into this because <laughs> i can just tell by the look on your face yeah. that you don't want to be here and they're like yeah i oh, like my. i'm exhausted i i don't know why i'm here and i'm like that's completely fair mm-hmm. and um this isn't going to be an easy class if you don't want to be here so i usually just make a very honest deal with them i'm like look give it a month give mm-hmm. it one month so that's usually on an average of four classes to 16 classes depending on how many times they want to come and i say if within this month you hate it tell me honestly i'm not going to i'm not going to take offense and i will mm-hmm. 
speak to your parents and say, you know what, maybe have your kid do something else. Because <laughs> I don't think they are enjoying this process. And I do. And I have those conversations all the time. Um, but, you know, it's, it's different for everybody. And I think that conversation is important because some kids love the thrill of competition. Some kids despise it. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want is for kids to feel as if they have to achieve certain things or they must win medals or titles mm-hmm. or, you know, get speaker awards. And if they don't get those things, then they're failures. And I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that so much about our education system. Because It's like me, you must achieve something that to prove yourself, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge problem that we have. I think mm-hmm. it's a, Again, don't get me wrong. I think it's good. We yes, do need to good. measure success. Mm-hmm. We do need to measure success. We do need to keep ourselves motivated in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But I think comparing kids or forcing yeah. them to, you know, conform to some weird standard that we've built in our head is just not productive. Mm-hmm. So that conversation is very important. So every couple of months, uh, if I see they're, you know, if they're not progressing or if they're mm-hmm. suddenly losing interest or they're becoming freakishly you know paranoid and freakishly just over obsessive with their work then I know something's up and then I would just speak to them and say hey what's going on like did did this person's success like you know freak you out are you you know how are you responding so yeah it, it, it it's tough it's it's more than just the classes it's a lot of it's a lot of work outside it as well I think more than classes and I think It involves some life-changing conversation, you know, when you oh, of course. Yeah, tell your yeah. student, you know, your wisdom for them, Ab- to them. Absolutely. I, I don't, <laughs> I, did, I did not sign on to be like an unofficial mentor, but I feel like it's, it has happened sometimes along mm. the way. I'm by no means like calling myself a mentor, but I've been told that I think, you know, doing what I do, it kind of has to, happen sometimes Mm -hmm. so I just make it very very clear to the kids like look I'm not your parents I but I'm here if you need to talk okay like please don't text me or call me at weird hours of the night because that's not appropriate (laughs) but if you need to speak like you will always be there Mm -hmm. I will be there and I Mm -hmm. will do what I think I need to do to get you help if that is necessary And if it means, you know, taking a couple of months break from debates or from other things, like, yeah, I'll speak to your parents and I'll help, you know, you know, get what you need to be, get done, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I think you are yeah. a mentor. Oh, <laughs> you are. I hate that phrase, but at the same time, it's like, I can't escape it. Um, and funnily enough, I told my kids, I hate that phrase. I'm like, please don't call me a mentor. Please don't call mm-hmm. me a teacher, you know, because I'm not actually a teacher. I'm a coach. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, coaches, they, they ask questions. I know that. Yeah, so yeah, like coaches <laughs> are meant to kind of, you know, just like more of like a, like a guide, you know, yeah. more than anything. And I feel like that's more me. I'm not necessarily a teacher. Mm-hmm. But um, my kids decide that, uh, that it would be really funny to call me mom. So some of them uh, now call me mom for some inexplicable reason. And that drives me up the wall even more. Mm-hmm. So, but that kind of shows you the kind of vibe that we have, uh, you know, at Asia Youth Speakers, it's, it's, it's pretty relaxed. It's not your typical idea of what a 
debate academy is or anything <laughs> like that. I, I hate these phrases because I think it gives such a such a negative perception or a mm-hmm. you know it makes yeah I, I think it doesn't really give off the vibe of Asia youth speakers. So that's why I was very very careful with even the the, the formation. Name. Yeah, the name mm-hmm. that it wasn't about education per se it wasn't about a club per se and it also wasn't about you know us being an institute or an academy or anything like that i think kids just want to have a safe environment to learn and to be themselves and to have some freedom so asia youth speakers felt like the natural name because we are based in Asia, we are open to everybody in Asia, we are targeted towards the youth, youth. Mm-hmm. and um, what the one uniting factor all of us have is that we're all speakers, so if you want to just do public speaking, if you want to just, you know, you know, work on your MUN skills, if you want to do debating, then yeah, it's all speakers, so that's the story of Asia Youth Speakers, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So last two questions, okay, very quick. Ooh, so right. what does debating and public speaking, you know, taught you about life, your life and thought? Oof, uh, <laughs> everything really. I mean, I, I really don't, I don't want to sound cheesy mm-hmm. because a lot of people say like, you know, their job is their life. Mm-hmm. But I saw the impacts of what, public speaking and well not really public speaking but I saw the impacts of what debates did for me as a young person and that really crafted what a lot of my life decisions yeah yeah so the impacts would have been you know mm-hmm. me not following the typical expected route of I think what mm-hmm. I would have done and I think I would have been very unhappy if I continued down that path um, I've also made some very good smart life decisions along the way mm-hmm. just because of how analytical I've you know, had to be after learning all the skills. Um, and I think I just live a much healthier life because I'm able to get myself out of situations. I'm able to think a lot more carefully and also wisely about why I'm doing things. Why are people doing things? How do I respond to certain uh, instances or situations? And it, I really don't even know where to begin because it's, it's just an all-encompassing skill Mm -hmm. so for me it's it's impacted my way my life in uh every single way I I don't know if I don't know what my life would look like if I didn't do what I do now and if Mm -hmm. I didn't find debating but I don't want to imagine it frankly I really don't want to imagine that because I think I would be very very unhappy Mm -hmm. and definitely stuck in a rut which fortunately for me I am not yeah now Mm -hmm. So what does success mean to you? Oh, what does success mean to me? Uh, mm. Oh, okay. Obviously, it's very, very subjective. Oh, I'm asking the difficult question. I know. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, okay, yeah. for me, oh, this is going to sound so I'm cheesy. Curious. This I'm curious about, you know. Yeah, no, no worries. Just express honestly, it. Okay, for me, success is happiness. And mm. I've that's actually something that I think my students know me for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, very self-driven. So I believe that people should, you know, determine their own life 
and what they want based on their own terms. So I really don't like this idea of you know societal mm-hmm. pressure and conformity. Mm-hmm. So for me, success has always meant happiness on my own terms. So for me, it's the way I lead my life, and that's why I do believe like. I mean, I'm not a household name. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not mm-hmm. any of these things that I think people would traditionally associate with success, you know. Mm-hmm. But for me, I consider myself to be a very successful person because I get to wake up every day not hating my job. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the I, great thing. Yeah, and I love what I do, and mm-hmm. I am not having an existential crisis, and I've not had. A mental breakdown because of work mm-hmm. or like the things around me, and I feel like not many people have that privilege. So for me, I took the path less taken. Uh, I did things on my own terms, even though obviously there was, you know, there there were challenges along the way and there was criticism along the way. But for me, success is happiness because no one feels your emotions but you. So mm-hmm. for me. I go to bed quite happy at night. I wake up quite happy at night, uh, and I live my life quite happily. Mm-hmm. And I'm fulfilled. I do. I'm not content. Obviously, there are things that I want to improve on and things I want to do more of. Obviously, um, but I do think I I I live a fulfilled life. I. Mm-hmm. Eat what I want. I do what I want. Well, with the exception of the pandemic, of course, right? So, like, clearly, I can't really be living my best life yeah. at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of my work, I I'm so glad I didn't go down the path of being a lawyer. That's the mm. probably the biggest thing I took away from. Yeah, just process. imagine if you choose that. Oh my huh? god. <laughs> yeah, like I think obviously that would have been far more lucrative, and I think honestly I think I would have done very well mm-hmm. there. But I do not think I would look like this. I think I'd be way more wrinkly, way more gray hair, and a lot less unhappy, and probably with a very very high therapy bill, um, which I'm fortunate enough to not have to do at the mm-hmm. moment. So. Yeah, I'm. My definition of of success is, is for me is happiness mm. and my happiness. So not even like keeping people happy because I know many people out there, you know, like they they're driven by keeping parents happy or their partners happy yep. or their you know like society happy. And I think that's perfectly valid for them. But for me, it's personal happiness. I value that more than anything mm. else. Um, obviously, I'm not gonna justify. You know, murder or harming people if it makes me happy. That's not the metric I'm using, but I, I am happy for most of the things that I have, and I get to lead a life that has been impactful. And I know I have students far mm-hmm. and wide, old and young, um, current and past, who are also, you know. who have benefited from my presence in their life with the work that we've all done together mm-hmm. and uh, that makes me feel really 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 good and I've, I've helped shape and mold some potentially you know really really ground groundbreaking people and I'm really curious I'm like every time I finish working with a student I'm always like yeah I'm really curious to see where they're going to go off to next the potential you know yeah they have a like, lot of like, potential 
they they do they do mm-hmm. and um you know some of my kids end up finding their own passion so some mm-hmm. don't even do the yes. traditional path and i'm still so proud of them mm-hmm. and some get into some of the world's best universities and they go on to do really amazing work with different organizations and different companies and i'm proud of all of them regardless as long as cuz again when i do meet up with them you know some like some of my first students are now like in their early 20s because mm-hmm. I started doing this quite young so our age gap is not that big but I do meet them sometimes here and there and sometimes even when I travel I'm like hey I'm in town do you want to go you know get food do you want to go to the show and uh, we do meet up and it's lovely to see what they've done sometimes they're like oh I would have never met this person if not for debates i would have never like considered studying this instead if it wasn't for debate and that really warms my heart and i love that kind of a that fulfills me mm-hmm. and i feel i feel good about myself when i think back about the impact that i've had the impact that you know your passion yeah, yeah yeah and not just, yeah like mm-hmm. the, the community yeah. that i've created mm-hmm. in what i've done over the last few years So yeah, uh it's great. It, it it's it's weird because sometimes people, you know, meet me for the first time and they go, "What do you do?" and I tell them, "Ah, I run Asia Youth Speakers." And they go, "Oh, what's that?" And they go, that? "It's a it's tech, well, it's it, it's hard to really explain, but yeah, we do competitive debating and then they just go, "Uh, how is that real? Like is that really a thing?" And I'm like, "It is. It is." Like, you know, it, it's hard to explain very very quickly because again, it's not it's not an easy job to just get off your chest. I can't just be like, "Oh, I'm a lawyer. I'm an engineer. I uh I'm a consultant, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's I'm an educator but a very very niche educator on a certain set of skills. And uh <laughs> yeah, I work with a lot of children. That's really all I can mm-hmm. say. But do you have a short advice? One short advice, you know, for young people. Uh like me, like early 20s, early 20s. Well, okay, you know what? I, I well again, age is irrelevant. I feel mm-hmm. I think my advice to people that I work with in general mm-hmm. is ask yourself why you were doing something. Mm-hmm. And I think this applies to anything that you're doing in life, right? So, if you're getting married, if you are changing your job, if you are choosing to decide, you know, on a on a course in university, if you are, you know, thinking about dropping or pursuing a certain passion, um truly ask yourself why you were doing it and i really mean soul search are you doing this because you're making people happy are you doing mm-hmm. this because your friends are doing it are you doing it because you have this weird perception that you've built up in your head are you doing it because you are doing it out of fear or are you doing it because of passion and i think it sounds like a very simplistic question but it's not yeah. because i feel like so many of us are motivated by an overwhelming number of factors mm-hmm. and sometimes that can lead us to do the wrong thing the wrong choice so mm-hmm. yeah the wrong choice the wrong decision mm-hmm. or even if it's not wrong it you know it's still i still think it's a waste so i feel like we could do a lot better as a society if we mm-hmm. just questioned things a little bit more so If you know when I have students tell me like they want to study law, mm-hmm. first thing I always ask them is why? Why? Mm-hmm. Like why law? And then they go, "Oh, cuz I like it." I'm like, "Okay, why do you like law?" And then they go, "Oh, cuz it seems like, you know, I can get 
justice like why does justice matter to you so I love doing this like why 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 thing um with lots of them and and sometimes it gets they get really annoyed and that's good that means I'm doing my job yeah because you know are you just being a lawyer because mm-hmm. your parents said that's the best option for you or are you you know going to this university because you think it's prestigious mm-hmm. um but it's actually not a right fit for you at all so there are all these little things that I'm always just like ask why mm-hmm. just just ask why and ask why until you are sick of yourself <laughs> and then you are stuck and then start over and then really ask yourself mm-hmm. why you are doing this because that's something that I've had to do with this and that's what led me on this path because I was very, very passionate about law for a long time. I was very, very passionate about doing the very traditional thing. But once I started asking myself these questions, I also realized like, wait a minute, this isn't necessarily the answer. Mm-hmm. So maybe find other ways to apply yourself. Maybe find other things that will make you fulfill. Like what is driving you? And I think these are all the important questions that we should be more conscious about asking and answering, not just asking, but answering ourselves. So that would be my advice. Um, it's not be true to yourself because let's be real. None of you know yourselves. You're too young. Mm-hmm. Old people don't know themselves. So being true to yourself is a very difficult piece of advice because it's not very practical. Mm-hmm. You can't be something you don't know. Don't know, yeah. So I think starting by asking yourself why you do things or why you're motivated by certain things or why you believe in certain things even is the better start that's my advice i think it's not very short yeah. but it's there but i think we don't you know we don't spend time to think about it we do not and we're yeah. not taught to think i think that's the biggest yeah. problem that we have we're not taught to think we're not taught to question mm-hmm. and that's a problem <laughs> big problem that's a big problem So well, okay, it's time to wrap up this show. <laughs> so thank you for our lovely guest. Oh, Rihanna. thank you very much. Thank Kiana, you for sorry, Kiana. No worries, no worries. Yeah, Kiana, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thank you for joining us today. So I have learned a lot from you today. Your oh, personality enlightened me. You know, I I really I love your personality. <laughs> If you say so. Thank you so much. The <laughs> warmness and. Your perspective, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank and you very much. And your energy, you know, a spirit to educate, you know, students. Oh, thank you. I yeah, I, and thank you for having me, and thank you for giving me this platform and giving us this platform. Really, um, yeah. I mean, I think what you're doing is really, really great. Um, I hope you, know, you have an adult, young adult class because you know most of my yes. audience is young adult. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I will. I will get on it. I will. I will be in touch, and uh, who knows? You guys could probably start doing something similar soon. So, like, yeah, yeah, I will be in touch. Um, because I've got a junior class coming up, so yeah. why not do a young adult class? I think that would be yeah, why not fantastic. <laughs> Then actually. I would join yeah. because at the same time I want to improve my debating skill. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Fantastic! <laughs> Yay! Yeah. We both learned something from this session. <laughs> sure, I think I will learn a lot from you. Your debating skill. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know, and even if you're not debating per se, just just start questioning things, guys. Just just yeah. think and a lot more about the world around you and why things are the way they are and why right. are you doing things. Mm. 
it sounds really simple, but once you start, it's it's a rabbit hole, and uh, but it's a necessary one. So, yeah. Okay, Thank you for so, having me, Amber. Thank um, you. I've taken up so much of your time. Uh, no, no, no. I can't I, keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy. I really enjoy. You know this conversation so this authentic conversation so thank you so much for your time thank you very much for having me and stay nice. safe yeah, uh, and be safe and yeah you too yeah, so goodbye have a great day see you around bye Amber. Yeah, bye